Welcome to Woodlands Church. We are so glad you are here. I want you to turn and look at the person next to you and act like you're about to give them a hug, but don't. Now, just let everyone know that you're glad they're here today and you can be seated. Uh, we are so glad you're here. If you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We just want you to relax and, and uh, let us make you feel right at home today. I know that everyone's been through so much with the winter freeze and the storm that came through and I'm just so proud of you, Woodlands Church, because we activated our disaster relief teams, and so many of you have been serving. Many of our life groups have been buying groceries and bringing them to people in need. We've been serving hot meals to seniors, giving out bottles of water, um, fixing pipes, doing all kinds of things. And so, and, and by the way, the blood drive was a huge success. The Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center had run out of blood because they lost so much of it when the power went out, and so you guys were able to replenish it, and God is using you in such a wonderful way. And by the way, we have what we call a needs board at Woodlands Church, and you can just go to wc.org needs. If you have a need, you know, from the storm, something going on, uh, or you can meet a need, then go on that needs board, and we connect people, and that's the way the church family should work. Hey, we're continuing a series that we've been in called Relationship Games. And today, Chris and I are gonna be speaking about shoots and ladders because in every relationship, there are a lot of ups and downs and it's how you handle the ups and downs, especially the downs that determine whether you grow closer together or you get torn apart. Well, we're at the end of Black History Month and I think it's important that we point out that so much of the Christian worship music that's sung in churches today has its roots that go all the way back to the slave houses and those African-American spirituals that were sung by slaves. In the most oppressive situation, even in change, they would sing. Even in those chains, they would sing songs about Jesus because they were drawn to Jesus Christ, the suffering Savior who could bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free, and they sang. And it was an amazing music that came from this most evil oppression. And as they sang, this music that we can trace really all our music back to that we sing in church today, so much of it anyway, uh, continued on. It was even used in the civil rights movement uh, to inspire. Um, some of the songs, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and Down in My Heart, all those songs that go all the way back. Um, and so I think it's important to recognize that. There were a lot of hymns as well that were written through the years. And then a lot of the gospel music came from those early spirituals that came out. And what we wanna to do today is do a song that was written by Jeremiah Johnson back in 1900. It was really written as a poem at first. And then that poem was by his brother put to music and they did the song Lift Every Voice that became an inspiration for so many and a, and a voice of hope for the future. And so we wanna combine it with one of our praise songs and sing it today and let's worship the Lord today because he is king. It's all about Jesus Christ who is Lord. Jesus Christ and the ground is level at the foot of the cross and Jesus Christ is the one that we look to and he brings us together as the family of God and that's, the way it ought to be. You know, that's the way heaven looks, and that's the way churches everywhere should look. 
And so we just praise God. So let's sing to him. Well, in this relationship series, we're having some fun with some classic board games, and we're using them to illustrate powerful relationship-changing principles. And as you can see, up here we have the classic children's game, Shoots and Ladders, because today we're going to talk about dealing with the ups and downs that come into every single close relationship. And it's a great game to play with young children because it really takes no skill. That's why I like it, Chris. <laughs> it's a good game for Carrie. Yeah. You know, all you have to do is just take the spinner and spin, and then whatever number the arrow lands on is the number of squares that you can move in the game. Now, even though it's a game of chance and it takes no skill, it can help preschoolers learn to count as they try to move from square one to square 100 on the game board. Now, it also teaches them valuable first lessons about winning and losing. This is where they learn that it's much more fun to win and it's no fun to lose, as they have to deal with the sudden ups and downs of shoots and ladders. And that's because every single turn carries the potential that they might land on a ladder square and suddenly get to get ahead in the game, or they might land on a square with a shoot and they'll suddenly slide backwards. And relationships remind us of shoots and ladders because all relationships, especially marriage, will experience these kinds of ups and downs, the highs and gut-wrenching lows. And it's how you deal with these inevitable things as you step through life together that will determine whether your relationship is strong and lasting or it falls apart. Yeah, and there are three big shoots that are constantly trying to take your relationships down always working against relationships, trying to separate you and make you more distant. And the first one is culture. Culture is a slippery slide that's always there trying to take us down. And it's almost like trying to climb up a slide that has been greased down because the culture is always going against us, trying to bring down marriages and families. Now here's the big lie from our culture. If you're really in love, then everything will always be perfect. You will always feel so in love. Everything will come easy, and it will always work out perfectly. Hey, did you know the phrase, back to square one, literally comes from the game Shoots and Ladders? Because most couples go into marriage thinking that they're starting out at about square 100, I mean, they think everything is perfect. I know, Chris, when we got married, we thought we were starting out at least at 96 or 97. We weren't perfect, but we were we at least. We really had our act together. We, yeah. yeah, we were so in love, and I was marrying the perfect person, you were marrying the perfect person, and, and everything was perfect. And so we kind of felt like we were starting out at, at least in 96, 97, if not in 98 or 99. We were so in love. But then what happens in marriage if you think you're starting out at about a 99, is you start going backwards and you feel like you're sliding downward and you wonder what went wrong. Everything was so perfect. I mean, when we got married, we were at square 95 and now it feels like we're all the way back to square one. But the reality is every marriage starts out at square one with two very imperfect, flawed people. It's just that our feelings and the lies from our culture kind of cover over the truth that we're starting at square one. 
Carrie and I started dating in high school, and we both went to college together at Baylor, and we got married while we were still in school. So life was really busy. We each had a full class load. We both had jobs besides that, but we were so confident that we could handle this marriage thing. It was going to be so great because our love for each other was going to make it all easy. But a few weeks after we got married, I got a mild case of food poisoning. I got sick. And Carrie was just horrified. And he insisted on taking me to the student health center. There was this health center for students. Now they have a state-of-the-art building for that. But back in the day, it was just in the basement of an old building. And it was rumored that they even had a room down there with some beds in it in case anybody got really sick. And I thought, okay, he, you know, Carrie really loves me. He wants to take care of me. I should let him take me, but I really didn't want to go. I was like, no, you don't have to run off somewhere just because you're sick once. And he was, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to take you. We've got to go. We've got to go. I thought, okay, um, I guess I should submit to my husband, right? Okay, I'll go. I'll go. And, and I was, so I went over by the door to, to leave, and he said, oh, wait a minute. i got to get something. And then he took a long time um, lining, he lined a mixing bowl with, uh, with plastic wrap, <laughs> thinking, just in case I got sick. And I was thinking, um, hello, I'm ready to go for doing this thing. And I we, had no clue, but I, yeah. I you know, I, I just play a doctor on television. I, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and so I, we got in the car. It's a one-minute ride in the car. We get there. We go in. I said, okay, I'll agree. I'll get some anti-nausea medicine from them. We go in, and I said, okay, you can take me in, but just don't leave me there. And he said, I'm not going to do that. We walk in, and a nurse met us there, and she said, um, what brought you in? And I start to answer, and Carrie says, do you want to keep her? I said, wait, what? <laughs> and he wanted to know if they wanted to keep me overnight. I said, oh, that wasn't our deal. I remember, I wasn't going to stay here. No, 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 no. And she, and the nurse said, well, I mean, we could. Said, yeah, that'd probably be best, wouldn't it? He thought, and so alarm bells are just going off in my head. I'm thinking, wait a minute, whatever happened to what, you know, loving each other, taking care of each other in sickness and in health? I mean, I haven't even finished sending thank you notes for wedding gifts, and you're already leaving me here? Now, let me tell you something. Hell hath no fury like a woman left to stew overnight alone in a dark basement. And after he picked me up. But they took such good care of you. <laughs> it's like, I didn't know what to do, you know? Well, I mean, I, I took, you know, our, our puppy to the vet. That's all I knew, you know, so take him to the... And, yeah, just leave me there. And so yeah. I, the next day he came, he came to pick me up. And by that time, boy, I had had all night to think of what I wanted to say to him. And we had our first big knockdown, drag out fight. I had just saved her life. <laughs> and she was complaining about it. That's when I knew... Ooh, this could be very interesting. Well, you see, neither one of us were willing to give an inch because he felt like, you know what, I went above and beyond to get you the absolute best care needed. And I felt like he'd abandoned me. You see, neither one of us tried to see the situation from each other's perspective. We were just dead set that each of us were 100% right. We would not give in. And so finally, agreeing to disagree, I said, okay, fine, but you just wait. The first time you ever throw up, I am taking you somewhere, and I am checking you in, and I'm leaving you there. And to this day, it's been almost 37 years, Carrie has never thrown up once. 
that is how stubborn we both are. Yeah. Like he knows, right. he knows I'm serious and, yeah. and he will, he will stand against it. And this is that picture of us being so stubborn and in our natural selves, we can be so stubborn. We are both hundred percent convinced that we are right. Another shoot that takes a lot of relationships down is change. We're always changing and our relationships are always changing. Our circumstances are always changing. They never stand still. Our, even our cells in our body, um, you know, they have a shorter lifespan than uh, we do as a whole. And so we are physically like 99.5% different people. Our cells have even all changed than when we first got married. We're just different in every way. And we're constantly either growing closer together or drifting farther apart. And a lot of couples get married and say, I am who I am and I am not changing for my spouse. I'm not changing for anyone. But that makes no sense because you're always changing. Whether we want to or not, we're always changing. And when you love someone, you each have to make changes to grow closer. And the problem comes in when one partner's making all the changes to make it work and the other one isn't changing at all. But change is inevitable. And if you don't learn to flex with those continual changes that life brings, then the changes will break you apart. You know, marriage is an audacious vow. We knew it was a big day when we got married. Only now, decades later, can we really appreciate how, how big, how audacious of a vow it is because we were saying, not only do I love you today and what I know about you today, but I'm committing to love you for the future, till death do us part, regardless of how either one of us changes. And if you have been through the pain of divorce, our heart breaks with you because you're knitted together as one and, and that pain of divorce is like dismemberment. But God has a plan for you in every relationship, and there is hope. No doubt. I'm still stuck on that story because I remembered it totally differently than that. So I won't bore you Let with my go, version. Babe. I'll just say that that was, that was not right. No. <laughs> you know, the most devastating slide, though, that every relationship will face is crisis. Those crises that hit suddenly and everything in your life is going great, and then you land on the huge chute of crisis and it knocks the breath out of you. And you go into free fall and you feel like you'll never stop falling. And crisis will come into every relationship. No marriage can avoid it. No friendship can bypass it. No family can escape it. And really, no close relationship can avoid the chute of change, the chute of the culture, and the chute of crisis. You're gonna land on those slides that are gonna take you downward but what will determine whether the relationship will grow strong or crumble apart will be how you deal with the downs of life. And so I want us to open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 57. In Isaiah 57, beginning with verse 14, I believe with all my heart God's gonna share with you today in your heart something powerful and personal from this passage this is gonna be relationship changing. So let's follow together. Build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Dear God, we come before you today, and I know there are a lot of broken hearts. There's a lot of hurt in relationships. 
Lord, there's a lot of deep wounds from the past that still affect so many in the present. And I know that you're the one who can bind up the brokenhearted. You're the one who can bring healing in those deepest places. And I pray that you would do that today, that you would bring restoration in relationships, that you would bring healing to hurt, and you would just do miracles that can only be attributed to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. This passage of Scripture that I just read is great news for every relationship that finds itself at that low point at the bottom of a chute. Because God says, even though I live in a high and a holy place, I'm also with those who've hit the lowest of lows. And I wanna help you deal with the downs of life. I wanna help you deal with the downs that are gonna come into every close relationship so you can build deep and lasting relationships that are strong. And this passage also tells us what we need to do to build a relationship stronger and make it last. The first thing to do that is to recognize that God can turn your shoots into ladders. Isaiah 57, 14 says, remove the obstacles out of the way. And one of the biggest obstacles that keeps us from building lasting relationships is our wrong perspective of shoots, of those slides, the downtimes in life. We think that they're all bad. If you hit a big change that seems tough, it's bad. But problems that come into our lives and threaten to sink our marriages and close relationships are actually our very best opportunity to grow up and grow closer to God and closer to each other. That shoot that you're facing today is what God wants to use to turn into a ladder and move you to a new place. Chris, what are some of the ways that God has turned our shoots into ladders? Well, one of the things that um, has really worked a lot in our own lives is when we've gone through painful times, we've learned to express our feelings so much better. Both of us, we have struggled with this through the years, trying to figure out how to share our feelings that are often really strong and passionate, but yet still respect each other and hear each other. So we're still learning. And really, for me, I just didn't express my feelings very well. You know, I, you could express your feelings. Maybe it didn't always come out right, but I just didn't really know how to express my feelings. And a lot of times, I didn't know how to express how much I loved you. And, and I have to say, men, in our defense, um, a study came out that showed that the average woman speaks 30,000 words a day, but the average man only speaks 15,000 words a day. It's not always that's, the case, but in ours. We have to say everything twice. Just ignore that, man, because what I'm trying to say to you, and I, I do have to admit that I don't always listen like I should too, but I also know that it's the pain, it's the tough things we've gone through that have helped me learn to express my feelings, to get across to you how much I love you, and that those things that are, are really deep inside to really get them through. And I, I'm grateful for the pain because with those shoots that have brought us down, they've also turned into ladders that have brought us so much closer than we could have ever been. And most of our growth has taken place during tough times. When we're good and coasting together, we don't work really hard at our relationship or getting to know each other or understand each other. It's just all good. Uh, when there's hard times, conflict, then we have to work through it. Um, Chris, what are uh, some of the things that 
we can do, that everyone can do to really kind of align with God because God wants to turn our shoots into ladders. He wants to bring good out of the bad and and many times it's the very barrier we're facing that he wants to use as the bridge to take us to that deeper level. But how do we cooperate with God? And so many times we haven't, but when we cooperate with God, he brings us that much deeper place. I think the first thing is to not give up. Just don't give up. Most of you right now probably have a relationship in your life. It may not be your closest relationship, but there's some relationship in your inner circle that's not quite what you wish it was. And so we would encourage you, don't give up. Make room for hope. I always say, you know, if you pray for rain, carry an umbrella. And what that looks like in a relationship is if I'm going to pray for this relationship to get better, then I act like, I act like a person would who believed this relationship was going to get better. I do the things that it's going to take to do that. It requires a fresh attitude. So now when we encounter tough times, problems, we try to have the attitude, huh, okay, it'll be interesting to see how the Lord works this out. And just wait for God to move. Now, answers may come from unexpected places. A lot of times we tend to look in the places that culture tells us that we're going to find an answer. Or go ahead and use the solutions that culture, our culture today uh, might use in that situation. But as a believer, God can work in our lives in any way he wants to, through anyone he wants to. So expect answers and, and problems to be uh, solved and contributed to from unexpected places. And then one thing that has been really important for Carrie and I is to pray about it. Just pray together. Uh, if possible, pray together with your spouse. If it's a marriage issue, pray together and just say, and Carrie and I sometimes will just grab each other's hand and say, Lord, I am so mad at him right now. You know, we are so mad at each other. Help us, Lord. We want, we really want what you want for us. Help us to understand each other. And you know, we're on the same te team so that even when we are so angry, we can still direct that to wanting to connect with each other. And then we see what the Bible has to say about it. If there's anything the Bible has to say about the situation we're going through, and guys, it's amazing how much the Bible speaks to us and to you when you read. Have you ever listened to Carrie preach and you've thought, wait, he's reading my mail. That was like directly exactly what I needed to hear. It's amazing how God's word speaks to us that way because that's just the Lord speaking to you through, through Carrie's words. It's the Lord speaking. So see what the Bible has to say about the problem you're going through. You know, Chris, I think when it comes to the prayer part that a lot of men feel like they don't know how to pray. And a lot of times men, when we don't feel like we're great at something, we don't even try. We just wanna be the hero, you know, great. And, and so when it comes to spiritual things, a lot of times we don't think we're that great at it, so we're afraid to do it. And I just want you to know as a pastor, you'd think that, you know, I would be, you know, holding Chris's hand, we'd be praying for an hour every day, but that just doesn't come naturally to me either. And so I've just learned it's so simple to pray with your wife. All you do is just take her by the hand, and now when you're in an argument, you know, that's a great time to pray, but I'm just talking about every day, just once a day, maybe twice a day, before we go out into the day, I'll take her hand and go, what can I pray for you about today? And then I'll just say, Lord, bless Chris in that area, just watch over and guide her, you know, give her wisdom for this, and thank you. You know, it's just really simple. Just take her by the hand and, and ask her, what can I pray for you about? And just a simple prayer, and it can make a huge difference. And the Bible 
speaks to that and so many of these things that we're talking about when it comes to shoots and ladders because in Isaiah 61, 13, it says, he, God, will give beauty for ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of heaviness, for God has planted them like strong and graceful oaks for his own glory. I love that, that, Chris, that God can take the ashes, the failures of our lives and relationships and bring something beautiful out of it if we'll allow him to. If we really recognize that that shoot that took us down, that we didn't want, that we didn't expect, that we don't like, that we wonder why God allowed it, but if we can get our eyes onto the fact that God can use it, because it's those shoots that God will use more than anything else to take you deeper and make your marriage especially stronger. But there's a second thing. You gotta climb together one intentional step at a time. Once you go down a chute, there's no shortcut. You gotta climb one step at a time. In Isaiah 57, 14, it says, build up. Build up, prepare the road. So you've got to build up your relationship one step at a time. And I know for me, many times that was difficult early on, and sometimes it still is, because whenever you're hurting, I have a tendency to want to fix it. I want to just go, what's wrong? And many times since, you know, we've been married for so long and we're so close, uh, we're, we're so uh, in unity and oneness that, if she just changes her facial expression just a little bit, I, I can tell, you know, that, oh, something's wrong. Well, what's wrong, you know? And, and I, I just want to fix it. How can I fix it? How can I make you happy? How can I, how can I take care of this? And so, but I, I've been learning so much about how it's all about staying together in each other's hurt. And I, I many times want to take the elevator and, and just take Chris and take the elevator and get us out of the hurt but it never works that way. We have to walk together through the hurt one step at a time. Chris, how do we do that? How do we stay in each other's pain? Well, marriage and close relationships are a lot like, I think, a three-legged race where we're tied together and we have to stick together. It just doesn't work in a marriage. If one person has something happen, maybe there's something that goes on at your job. Maybe there's something in a relationship with a coworker or your boss. One of you is really going through a tough time. If that person is, has hit that slide, is going down, then the other one goes with them. You're tied together. It's the difference between sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is saying, I am so sorry that you feel that way. And empathy is saying, wow, that hurts me too because you're hurting. There's an ancient proverb that says that there shall be so much oneness between you that when one weeps, the other one tastes salt. And so that's something that we have learned. And when we tell you these things, these are all things that we are still learning. We have to work at this all the time. But when one of us is going through a tough time, the other wasn't, doesn't just say, oh gosh, sorry about that, so sorry. No, we actually feel it with each other and walk with each other through the valley until we come out on the other side. And it helped me so much in learning that my job is not to make Chris happy. Her job is not to make me happy. It's to be together and feel, have that empathy for each other as we walk through it. Now, what I used to do was when you would bring up a tough feeling, and I would say, oh, well, you don't need to feel that way. That's totally wrong. And that was not a good way to answer that. It didn't go over very well. Because feelings aren't right and wrong. Feelings are just feelings. They're meant to be expressed. And so, you know, I've learned and I'm still learning a lot about 
just staying in that feeling and not trying to fix the situation, but just being together. The Bible says, be understanding of your wife, husband. Be understanding. It doesn't mean you have to understand her, but just be understanding. You just try to be understanding, and it goes so far in that connection. Isaiah 57, 15 says, he, God, says, I live in a high and holy place, but also live with people who are sad and humble. I give new life to those who are humble and to those whose hearts are broken. And I'm so thankful that God stays with us in our hurt. He doesn't try to rush us through the hurt. We have to be able to grieve. We have to be able to feel those feelings. And I'll tell you what, in our culture today, um, grieving is not a real popular thing. In our culture today, most people don't really know how to grieve. You know, we, we just want to get happy real quick, and we don't know what to say to people who are grieving. We want them to get happy and make us uncomfortable. But here's the problem. Grieving is what brings healing. And if you don't allow the grieving process to take place when you're going through hurt or loss, then, and you stuff it down, like I know a lot of guys do, it's going to come out in some crazy way. That's for sure. Crazy actions and and destructive, and so we have to be able to grieve. We have to be able to feel the feelings that we have, and so many times I would stuff my feelings down thinking, well, those, those aren't right feelings. I mean, I'm angry. I'm angry at Chris, but I shouldn't feel that way because I love Jesus so much. I shouldn't feel angry right now, and then I would just stuff them down. It would come out in sarcastic remarks and, you know, little bitter, you know, remarks, cuts, and and I found that you just have to admit your feelings because, you know, when you feel angry, you just feel angry, and then you can work through it. And that's what Christ taught us to do, not to hold in our feelings, but to learn how to work through them and use them as a ladder to take you to a higher level. Well, Chris, what are some of the intentional, practical steps on the ladder that we're trying to do to take our marriage to that next level? Well, one thing that we have done is to seek wise counsel. It's something that we've learned through the years is really helpful. Seek wise counsel. This is something the Bible says to do over and over. You'll find, especially in Proverbs, seek wise counsel. You'll find uh, stories in the Bible where the wise ones are always seeking wise counsel from others. And all that means is find somebody who's doing better, who seems to be headed in the same direction but is farther down the path than you are, and talk to them has to have some trusted places, some people that you can go to. If you don't know anyone, then we have a wonderful counseling ministry here at the church. They are fantastic. There's a lay counseling ministry that is wonderful. We have a, a licensed professional counselors, and I encourage you to get some wise counsel. Sometimes we get so caught up in our own problems, we really can't see the forest for the trees, and it helps to have that outside perspective. Another thing that's helped is books. You know, we read a lot. Find some books and read them. And if you don't agree with something in one, you know, go to another. But keep seeking. Keep looking. Make room for hope. On Tuesday nights here at church, we have restoration. And that's our restoration ministry is a great, fantastic, thriving ministry where, hey, all of us have hurts, habits, and hangups, right? There's not one of us that doesn't have stuff we're dealing with. And it's just getting together with other people and saying, hey, yeah, Help, let's help each other. Let's talk about this. What's working for you? As believers, this is what a biblical community looks like, is being able to stand in the light and be honest with each other. And then something that's really helped Carrie and I personally is to set aside a designated time 
to talk about an issue. If there's a real hot button issue going on in our marriage, and every marriage has them, they come and go, but those things that can't be resolved in one conversation, these are the things that come back over and over and over. And we found that if we don't set aside a time to talk about that issue, it seems to crop up in every single conversation every day, just nonstop. And you have conversation fatigue. You just feel like, oh, will we ever stop talking about this? This is all we ever talk about. But if you set aside a time, so say if Wednesday night is going to be your time, both of you know that, you know what? I don't need to express everything all the time, every day, keep nagging about it, because at that time, we have set aside a time where we've said, you know what? We're going to talk about this issue at this time. And then you get to do that, and it allows you to have that tension and release. You know, you, you have a time to talk, and then during the week, you know that it's coming. Something that's helped in the in-between times, between that, is journaling. If you don't journal, if you haven't done that, it seems like, oh, I'm not a writer, I don't do that, I would really encourage you to just try. It's just writing down your own feelings, your own thoughts. It's only for you. Your paper's not graded. What helps me to, when I do that is that it forces me to choose words to name what I'm actually feeling. So instead of just feeling all frustrated and mad and uh, you know, just all worked up, writing makes me think, well, how exactly do I feel? What is going on? And then I'm better prepared to have a productive conversation when we do get together and talk. Psalm 42.5 says, why am I so sad? Why am I so troubled? I will put my hope in God, and once again, I will praise him, my Savior and my God. That's a psalmist who was going through a tough time saying, you know, why am I troubled? And a lot of times in my journal, that's what I'll write at the top. I'll say, why am I sad? Why am I troubled? And then I answer myself. I force myself to think through it and think exactly why, and it's really helped. And then when we get together and carry journals too, then one of us might say, hey, would it be okay if I read you something that I wrote in my journal this week? And it's helped us to approach tough issues in a calmer way. We have to learn to, to look, look first in and see what is in our heart. How do I feel? And then look up and say, but I put my trust in God. Come on, together, let's look to God for the answer. And then lastly, I'd say attunement, just getting in tune with each other, how we're feeling. And as Carrie mentioned, we try to check in with each other. The way that looks for us is a lot of times one or the other of us will say, hey, are we okay? One of us will say that every few days because of some little you know, blip or issue. Hey, are we okay? And it's just a time for us to make sure, hey, are we still, are we still good? And it's a, an opportunity also for the one to say, actually, you know what? When you did that earlier, it really bothered me or that hurt my feelings, or whatever. And we keep those short accounts and try not to let them build up into big stuff. Well, the third thing that is so important is anchor your ladder with commitment. Commitment is really the foundation for us. Commitment is always the foundation for lasting marriages. We've interviewed so many people who've been married 50, 60, 70 years, and it always goes back to they made a commitment to each other through thick and thin. You know, romantic feelings are up and down. We fail each other. We let each other down. But our commitment is the foundation for our ladder. And Chris, you started a phrase that we use all the time now that yeah, helps you, us remember. You're stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, you're stuck with me. Yeah. It's been a great uh, encouragement to us, a good thing for us, because well, I'd say, you're stuck with me, and he'll say, you're stuck with me. To us, that's kind of code for saying, 
hey, neither one of us are going anywhere, and we're making each other miserable, so it really is the, in our best interest for both of us to try to find a solution here. In other words, there's no way out, so you're stuck with me. We're stuck together, so let's work this out. Let's do what it takes. Let's keep working at it. And it also helps to affirm what is good in our relationship, because in times when we are arguing, we can just lose sight of all the really good things that we love about each other and uh, that are going on in our lives or in our relationships. So we try to point those out. Or even in journaling, I'll say, oh, this really, this really bothers me, but you know what? And I'll discipline myself to write down, but you know what? This I really appreciate. This is going really well. And it helps us to not focus on the one hard thing and ignore all the good stuff. Yeah, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, was once asked, have you and Billy ever considered divorce? Has it ever even come up in an argument? She said, murder, yes, divorce, no. <laughs> and that's, that's the commitment we have to each other, isn't it? Yeah, that we're stuck with each other, so we gotta work it out. Last night, right before the worship service, we presided over a wedding vow renewal in the chapel. It was a ceremony for Taylor and Haley Odlazel, and they shared their story at Christmas, at the Christmas Eve services, but um, right before they were to get married, um, Haley was diagnosed with advanced uh, ovarian cancer and not giving, given a very good prognosis, and so their whole world just changed. This young couple, so sweet and nice, had everything in front of them, and then everything just changes. Um, surgery, chemo, all these treatments and chemo and more surgeries, and but she met with Taylor when they were engaged right before their wedding, and she said, now that I've had this diagnosis, I just want you to know I want to release you from our engagement. And Taylor, of course, said, no, I love you with all my heart, you know, and, and afterwards, Taylor told me that he just sat in his truck and he just wept. He said it just crushed him that, that she had to say that to him. She felt like she had to say that to him, and that she had to hold in all her hurt and all that was going on, and he said, but right there in my truck as I was weeping, God reminded me of one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Isaiah 6, 8. And Isaiah 6, 8 says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And he said, I knew right then and there that God was gonna take care of us and that, that God had called me to this. And God had somehow allowed this, and we can't stand it, we don't understand it, but God loves us, and, and we know that Haley and I love each other, and so we're just going to walk through it one day at a time. And it was just beautiful to see them last night, all their friends and family, and she was surprised, you know, at this wedding vow renewal, and I think it's so important to renew those vows constantly, but you restate them every day by saying something like, you're stuck with me. You restate them, you renew them in your heart and your mind every day because that's the glue that holds you together. Yeah, on our wedding day, you know, four decades ago almost now, we said the words, I, Chris, take you, Carrie, as my lawful and wedded husband. I receive you as God's special gift to me. And he said the same thing. I receive Chris as God's special gift to me. We thought, 
wow, this is so great. Wow, he is such a gift. This is great. And of course, on that day, you've spent so much time getting ready. You look like a gift. You feel like a gift. And as we start our life, we thought, this is going to be so wonderful because we'll always feel so safe and comfortable. We'll always have someone who knows what we want from Starbucks. We won't even have to tell them our order. You know, we can hear their voice or laughter in a crowded room and know who they are. They know all my odd little habits, but, oh, he still loves me. We got to live the dream, but then it got hard. It got really hard because instead of being two individuals who chose to connect and share what and when we wanted to, we had committed to being one unit. We'd made this vow to work out whatever troubles came, whatever slides came our way. See, Carrie was that special gift from God to me. But I didn't always see him as a gift. And I was God's special gift to him, but he didn't always see me as a gift. I didn't always act or look like a gift to carry. And when you say those vows, you're not really thinking about uh, the, the hard times, morning breath, kids, you know, kids sick, all the, all the stuff that life brings. You're just thinking, oh, this is just wonderful. That need to compromise, though, was constant. And we had different opinions on pretty much everything. And for a long time, we felt like when things got hard, it meant we weren't doing marriage right. If we have problems, it must mean we are doing this marriage thing wrong, fundamentally. Because we start to think that gifts should look like ladders, not slides. This should look like a ladder, a wonderful opportunity, but it looks just like a hard thing. But after all these decades, we finally learned to trust our eyes and our feelings a lot less. We may not always feel like our spouse is the gift that we want, but here's what we've learned. Even when they're not the gift that we want in the moment, they are the gift we need because God gave them to us as a gift, and he only gives good gifts. Our creator knows all of our rough spots and our stubborn spots, and he wants to get rid of those rough edges. God knows exactly what it will take to move me from complacency to Christ-likeness. And so it only makes sense that he's going to use the person closest to me to help bring that out, to draw that hard stuff so that I can work through it and get rid of it and become more like Christ. That's the goal for all of us, right? As believers, it's to become more like Christ. The process is usually messy and loud and uncomfortable, and it draws out hard feelings and strong emotions. But somehow, we've got to get to the place where we realize that gifts aren't always wrapped up in pretty paper with a bow. Think about it. The best gift ever given did not look like a beautiful ladder. God's gift to us, what it looked like was a violent, bloody death on a barbaric torture device. That was the best gift ever given. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave, he gave, that was Jesus Christ's, his gift to us. He allowed his one and only son to go to a horrible death on a cross because he loves us so much. That's what a real gift looks like. It's that kind of sacrifice. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want us to pray because I believe with all my heart, God is speaking to some men here to say, here am I, Lord, send me. 
Help me be the man of God that you've called me to be. Help me be, to be the man of integrity that you've called me to be. Help me to be the husband or the dad that you've called me to be. Help me to be the man of God. Here am I, send me. I'm willing. I'm in this fight, this fight for connection, for deep relationships, because that's all that's gonna matter when it's all said and done. It's not gonna matter how much money's in your bank account. It's not gonna matter how many awards you got. It's not gonna matter how many followers you have on social media. It's not gonna matter how high you climbed on the ladder of success. The only thing that will matter is your relationships. Did you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? And did you have deep and rich and lasting relationships that make all the difference? Chris and I have been with so many people at the end of their life, and it's always about relationships. That's where the regrets always are. Nothing else but relationships, because that's the only thing that really matters. And so let's bow together and pray. And Lord God, I just thank you that you wanted a relationship with us so much that you gave your one and only son. And Lord, I pray that you would just help men and women, husbands and wives, friends, coworkers, Lord, parents and children, families, that you would just help us see that the only way we can really grow close is to have some of those slides downward. And I pray for everyone who's just gone through a slide downward to where they feel so low and broken right now. Let them know, Lord, they're at that place of a miracle that you've allowed them to be at the place of a miracle, Lord, and that you want to, one step at a time, bring them to a new and rich level in their life and relationship with you and others. And Lord, I just pray for healing in broken relationships as only you can. And Lord, I know that it just takes one step at a time. Give us the strength, the wisdom, and the patience to take those steps. We can't skim on relationships. There's no shortcuts, Lord, but we try to do that and multitask. Help us, Lord, to focus on what's most important so when we come to the end of our lives, we won't have those regrets. And Lord, I just pray for everyone who's hurting within the sound of my voice, every wound that you would bind up, that you would just meet them, Lord, at those deepest hurts, and you would bring your healing as only you can. And I pray for those who've never received you, Lord, that there's no way that they can build strong, deep, lasting relationships with you not in their life because it doesn't come naturally, Lord. It's supernatural. We need your power to love. We need your power to forgive. We need your power to meet someone else's needs over our own. And I pray, Lord, that they would just pray this prayer to you silently in their heart. Jesus Christ, I need you. Come into my life. I'm tired of trying to live life on my own. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start. And I want you to lead my life from now on. I want to follow you from now on. And I pray that you would help me love. You would help me be the person that you've called me to be. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed to receive Christ, he came into your life and he will never leave you. He'll always be in your life. You know, I know that we're 
coming up on something really powerful in our student ministry. When we talk about godly families and really making a difference in relationships, our students are amazing, and God's using them. We believe at Woodland Church we want to invest in the next generation to change the world. We're to raise up the poor and powerless. We're to preach the gospel of hope and get it out all over the world, and we are to raise up the next generation to change the world, and that's what's happening here. Now, what's going on is in a couple weeks, our student ministry is having our annual event called Reality Weekend. And what that is, is a time when hundreds, and uh, hopefully this year it'll be more over a thousand students, get together, spend a weekend, unplugged from social media, away from their parents, family, and they get together and are immersed in focusing on God's word, on sharing what's really going on in their lives, and so many students have had a total change in direction in their lives from spending time at Reality Weekend. Carrie and I have four kids. They're all married now. But I'll tell you what, we could not have raised our children without the student ministry in partnership with us. We have awesome student pastors. It's, this is a, an incredible opportunity. So I want to let you know about it. It's March 12th through the 14th. That's a Friday through a Sunday. It involves... Three dynamic sessions at the Woodlands Pavilion. The kids stay in um, the hotel, and uh, the meals are taken care of over the weekend, and they have small group time with college leaders. They have these big events, and it is life-changing. So that is coming up. If you are a student, if you have a student, if you know a student, I encourage you to let them know about this, and it will change their life. If you want to be a part of it, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can pray, for sure. Please be praying about this. Pray for these students. This has been a really unusual time to be a student. All of the social distancing, the stepping out of school and back into school, all kinds of issues have come up with students, and this is a time where they need to be grabbed, their hearts to be grabbed by the Lord. And so you can do that and pray. Also, if you would like to, we have an awesome opportunity to sponsor or scholarship a student. And I'll tell you what, that will get you praying because you will be so invested in it that you'll be praying for, for that kid or kids that you are a part of changing their life and getting them to go to this. So uh, there's all access passes. That means uh, it involves the hotel, pavilion, meals, all that stuff. And that's, I think, $240. It's $149 without the hotel. Um, but if you want to be a part of signing someone up, of uh, getting to be a part of sending a student, you can sign up in the lobby after the service or online at wc.org events. But I encourage you, pray for these students. Let's be a part of changing the next generation, not complaining about the next generation or what's going on in this world, but let's be a part of changing it. And where that starts is in raising up the next generation of believers. And we got kiosk out at our campuses today, and you can scholarship, you know, one of our students, and their life will be changed, I promise you. God will use it in their life in a powerful way. And man, they've been through so much. There's been so much mental health issues all over in every age group, but especially with students. And God has just done amazing things through Woodland Church, and our student ministry keeps growing through all this time because students are desperate for Jesus and connection and community and knowing how to grow strong and stand against peer pressure, and that's what God's doing here. 
hey, now we're going to take our offering. And the way we do that is you just take out your smartphone and you text the word give WC, one word, give WC to 77977. Give WC to 77977. And you can just use our push pay app just and you can give right there. Set up recurrent giving. We give because we love God, because we love what he's doing through the ministries of this church. Keep praying for all of our ministries and missions as we're being stretched. And all through this time, um, God's used us more than ever. And it's just been miracle after miracle after miracle. So we give because we love God, first and foremost. And we love what God's doing through our ministries and missions. So pray for them, for God to multiply it. You can also give, if you're at home, go to wc.org slash give, or you can mail in a check, or you can give on your way out of the campuses, but make sure you give. For God so loved the world that he gave. When we give, we become more like him, and you can't outgive God. Lord, bless our giving. We thank you for your love for us as we take our offering. We ask you to just use it, multiply it, Lord, and change lives. Change children and students, Lord, who are growing up, learning about you, falling in love with you at an early age, and Lord, it'll just change the trajectory of their life. I thank you, Lord, for how you're raising up the poor and powerless, how you're getting the gospel of hope, Lord, in such a, a hopeless time that is raising, Lord Jesus, people up to follow you with all their hearts. Continue, Lord, to strengthen us in every way, to stretch, to step out, to do all that you've called us to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, in church, I want you to stand because we're gonna sing and we're gonna declare that our Father is watching over us and we can run to him at any time and he's always there. He's never too busy. Have you ever been at a gathering or a party and you're talking to someone but they're kinda of looking past you to see if there's anyone more important in the room? God never does that for you. He, he's always there. He never looks past you. He's always right there for you. He, runs to you and you can run to him at any time. And I want you to do that this week as you step out in faith, expect God to part the waters. As you step out in faith, expect God to knock down those walls that you're facing because he goes before you, he goes behind you, he goes beside you. And he's gonna make a way for you. As Chris said, make room for hope. When you pray for rain, you carry an umbrella. And so make room for hope. Just give God a little opportunity to break through in your life and overcome that barrier that's been there because God wants to do that. It's amazing what God's doing throughout our church right now. There's so many miracles happening. God is working. Just give God a little bit of room this week and take a baby step of faith and you watch how God will open that door. Let's sing together. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.